All right, welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel. This is a live edition, uh, as we tend to do after these games. Uh, I'm Anthony Broom, as you can see here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. If not, you'll hear it in the podcast afterwards. Joined by former Michigan Wolverine defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen after a 21-17 win at Penn State. My God, it was ugly, but but Ryan, they count all the same uh, with about maybe 10 minutes to go in this one. You know, I think I was getting ready to do a very different type of outline for the type of things we might be talking about. But And we'll still talk about those things, but at the end of the day, I mean, a win is a win is a win is a win. And to go there, to get one at Penn State, that crowd is always on fire. Um, they're always going to give you a game. It's you got to feel pretty good right now because they were on the ropes there with probably about what maybe five minutes or so left, and you know all the narratives have been what they are is that oh Jim Harbaugh teams they they fold in big games uh, nobody makes big plays on either side of the ball. Listen, uh, Penn State was able to take the lead late in that game because Sean Clifford made a play, Jahan Dotson made a play. Those are big time players making big time plays in a big time game. So you look to Michigan and you go, who's going to do that? And and Cade McNamara has the uh, the sack fumble, and that looked like it could have been disastrous. But defense comes back, forces uh, another Penn State field goal, give your offense a chance at the end. And and uh, Eric All made the play that he did. Uh, we've been waiting for someone to have some kind of knockout play in one of these games, and Eric All came up big. Michigan came up big. Defense held at the end of the game, and you're in victory formation on the road. At Penn State, Ryan, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, just a, just a gritty, gritty as hell. But they all count the same, right? Yeah, it's a November win in the Big Ten. It's on the road versus a good Penn State team. That's a good team that we played, um, and we face some adversity on the road in a big game, and that has not been a formula for success for us. But these guys found a way to win. And, you know, that's kind of the thing I feel like you're trying to see out of this team is what's the development like? Have have we shaken some of the negative stigmas that come away with uh, what the recent Harbaugh eras have held for us, seasons have held for us? And they were able to get it done. You know, a red zone stand uh, for the defense on a sudden change is huge. You always emphasize sudden change in practice. And for the offense to be able to march the ball down the field and get a big play out of Eric All, who we've talked about, you know, is – uh, primed for a breakout something or other and to come up with that play in that game is huge for us and uh you know we're still right there you know we, we we win today and we're now two games closer and wins in november are bigger than wins in september and october especially wins on the road and wins versus a good penn state team which that was yeah i mean my notes were all over the place today but i think the biggest thing you have you look at what Michigan had going for them in this game. I think we talked about this uh, when we did bold predictions in our Friday podcast is I said that the combination of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo would have, I believe I said four sacks in the game. And at one point they had five and they were, those guys were completely unblockable. I've said it before. I'll say it a million times. You might be able to slow down one of those guys by holding them, which happened again today. And actually one of them got called, but you're not going to slow down both of them. And the way that those guys are playing right now defensively, you know, you need someone to get in the backfield and make a play. Um, those guys are giving you all of that and more. Uh, now, we looked at the matchup coming into this game, and it looked like given the the struggles that Penn State's tackles have had in allowing pressures this year, we felt like that was a pretty lopsided advantage uh, in favor of the Wolverines. And not only did they exploit that, but it's 
When you look at how Penn State struggled for most of the game on offense, that's the story of the game. Yeah, uh, I think I said you said they'd have, I think, four, and I said that one of them would get to three, and I think they might have both got to three. I know Hutchinson did, but um, they're on opposing sides of the field, they're a problem for offensive lines, offensive coordinators, because which way do you go? You can't double-team both edges because you're going to be weak in the middle and soft in the middle, so you got to figure out which one you want to turn free, and they impact the game at such a high level because now all of a sudden a guy like Dotson, you can't run a route that's more than 10, 15 yards down the field because he's never going to have time to find that guy. So, you know, I think we were doing pretty good in coverage, but you never even knew because the camera never panned out far enough to see what was happening downfield because there's so much chaos occurring in the backfield. Uh, You know, I think that bodes well for us. Obviously, it helped us in this game, but I think it's going to be big in the last one. I don't want to overlook Maryland upcoming, but um, the freshman quarterback has not seen Ojabo and Hutchinson, uh, which I think are the two biggest menaces on the edge in the Big Ten right now. And the fact that they're both on the same team and our secondary is kind of coming along. We thought we did pretty good against Dotson today. Um, we're, we're a problem when you need to throw the ball. If you have to resort to throwing the ball, you're, uh, you're on borrowed time. Yeah, Jahan Dotson, nine catches, but only 61 yards. So, I mean, you'll take – they were keeping him in front of them all day. He had 16 targets. So they were going to him, and, and the Michigan coverage was holding up. DJ Turner again, I think, played a pretty pretty uh, great game. Vincent Gray had some moments. There was a couple plays down on the – I mean, when, when Penn State scored, I think on both the touchdown and the two-point conversion, those are plays where DJ Turner was there in coverage. But just, you know, one guy makes a play, you tip your cap to him there. Um, you know, some of the other takeaways I had here. I mean, without Hassan Haskins uh, – well, without Hutchinson and Ojabo and Hassan Haskins, I do not know where this team would be right now. Uh, we we knew coming into Saturday that it seemed unlikely Blake Horn wasn't going to play. He didn't make the trip. Donovan Edwards was back, which you love to see, but only two carries for two yards. They leaned on Hassan Haskins on Saturday to a tune of 31 carries, 156 yards. I mean, just the fighting for the extra yards and the reaching out uh, of the football to just get, you know, talk about the you know the game of inches and things like that. Every single inch matters, and and Hassan Haskins does what he can to maximize uh, his opportunity every time he touches the football. And also, here's this. I mean, we don't think of Hassan Haskins as this threat of, threat to catch the ball of the backfield either. He was Michigan's leading receiver in terms of receptions on Saturday. Five, catch, five catches for 45 yards. Um, if there's a game ball to give out, that's your guy, I think. I agree with you. And I also think that he's – uh, overperforming in what opportunities that we're giving him. Yes, we're giving him 31 touches, but, you know, there's a lot of times that I was thinking during this game that, you know, we're third and one, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two, and we're still giving him the ball kind of on an outside zone look or a read option look. And that's a tough, you know, for him as the personality that he has as a running back, he needs to be coming downhill, getting a handoff from a quarterback that's under center and, and with his shoulders lean forward. I feel like we set him up a couple times, not just in this game, but throughout the season, uh, of not necessarily calling plays that are going to suit him or give him a good matchup. And he runs into bad matchups all the time and comes away for six, seven, eight yards. And that's just a testament to who he is as a running back. I still, you know, uh, I'm happy with where we did, but I still think there's an opportunity to get more creative in the running game. We tried the reverse. They shut it down the one time. And then we really didn't get, you know, too much creativity out of our run game. Uh, you know, it's uh, the, the, it's the family station wagon that just kind of gets what we needed to get. And, um, I just, uh, yeah, I tip my hat to what Hassan Haskins did today and what he can do for the team and uh, think that we could be doing more to to get him 
even more opportunities or better opportunities when he gets touches. Um, but that's another topic. Well, another guy that you've been calling on for, um, I won't say more touches, but someone you think is going to be a factor is Eric all. And we talked about his play um, a little bit earlier in this show, but made the play of the game, uh, four catches for 64 yards, 47 of those came on the touchdown at the end. Just a great effort. Uh, really great. I thought the, I mean, we can talk about some negatives and stuff. I mean, we'll probably save the majority of negatives and things like that. Positive negatives for uh, when we do the fuller podcast on Sunday, but a uh, great play design, a uh, little bit of a rub route, thin crossing route over the middle of the field. Uh, Penn State's defense goes one way. Eric All's go. Eric All goes the other and has the, I guess we, I knew he was athletic, but I guess I didn't realize he had the burners to kind of dust everyone in the open field up the sideline like that. That was an insane effort uh, to give Michigan that third touchdown uh, on Saturday afternoon and ultimately be the score that decided the football game. He's uh, been just a guy that's developed and really came on. That's one thing that you can say positively about Harbaugh and his regime as far as Eric All's concerned. He's a great example of someone. I thought he came in, had no ability to block whatsoever, a liability in the blocking department. Uh, great overall athleticism, had a lot of drops um, You know when they looked his way and just didn't know if he'd ever be ready for the moment. And the way he's developed and gotten better, and you know he's ferocious as a blocker. He's our fullback in a lot of sets. And for him to go from that position of, you know, looking like more like a receiving tight end that a force two can block to now embracing that and, and, you know, taking guys and driving them downfield. And now all of a sudden he's getting the opportunity to make catches. Um, I think he's a good talent at tight end. And I feel like he's been underutilized, but even though he's been underutilized, he has not been discouraged. And that's something that can happen in a good player. So um, happy for him. I think him and Schoenmacher are great answers. We've talked about it before. We actually scored all touchdowns today. No Moody field goals. That's a cool thing. That's new. But uh, I think that there are answers for us in the red zone that Eric All and Schumacher, they create mismatch problems and big targets for Cade, and he throws an accurate ball to them, and they're going to do some things. So happy for him and think he's going to be a crucial element, especially in the Ohio State game and potentially beyond. Yeah, Michigan went went down and, and scored, <laughs> didn't settle for field goals. We've been asking for that for weeks. And like I said, I mean, you want to see them be – and we'll we'll go more in depth on this in, in our Sunday show, but I think you want to see them be a little more obviously way more creative offensively and from a play calling's perspective. But uh, the fact that Jake Moody all he had to do was go out there and kick a couple gimme extra points, uh, good for them. And this this was a game; it, it was pretty apparent early on that this might be one where like the, the offense was going to have to take whatever the Penn State defense is going to give them. I think that unit really, in a lot of ways, is, was as advertised, maybe even a little bit better than I thought they uh, would be on Saturday. So you take what the defense gives you. I mean, 21 points got you in Saturday, but it's nothing to write home about. This is going to be a game where Michigan's defense was going to have to hold up, and those guys are going to have to step up and make plays. And we talked about uh, Hutchinson, Ojabo. Like, what more is there really to say about those two guys that hasn't been said? I mean, they are, you know, easily the best pass rush duo in the country, and, and you can make the argument – you might have the two best pass rushers, period, as individuals on your on your roster, which is insane to think about. But uh, Junior Colson, Josh Ross, both had nice days. Uh, 12 more tackles for Colson, 11 for Josh Ross. Uh, we talked about before on how Penn State struggled to run the ball. Uh, they've been running it at, I believe, 3.2 yards per pop today or uh, on the year. Uh, Saturday, 42 runs, 109 yards, 2.6 yards per carry. Um, just overall, just a really – just 
stout at all three levels. I mean, Penn State is far from an elite uh, offense, but they went out there and they kept the ball. They, you know, things were the tempo and substitutions. It got a little shaky there for a little bit early on in the game, but those guys settled in and and for, I mean. Penn State scored 11 points in the fourth quarter, and that was their big offensive explosion for the game. So I really just you, – you, you take your hat off and tip it to Mike McDonald and, and what his unit brought to the table on Saturday. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of one of those things that you've got to understand what the approach is for us defensively, and I think he's stuck into that as kind of their um, – one of their pillars of, of their defense is that we're going to let you move the ball a little bit. You know, obviously it's not ideal that you're moving the ball and, and getting first downs, but you don't get points for first down. So I think you see a little bit of a conservative approach, but man, I really thought that he called a good game when he brought pressure, we got home and they didn't allow for routes to develop. Um, he, I think rolled the dice more in this game than we've seen him previously. And maybe it was required, you know, in order because of how, like you said, the defense was required to step up this game. So uh, it may have been an added necessity, but we brought a lot of pressures today. Uh, and I mean, Clifford was just barely able to amble around on the sidelines. We had him on his back all day. So um, I really think McDonald did an excellent job uh, scheming this team up. And yeah, there were some probably some areas where we could have done better, maybe been matched up better. They definitely moved uh, Dotson a couple times and intentionally motioned him and seen if we'd switch with him. And they're doing some creative things on their side as well. But uh, McDonald and our defense to be in our first year and, and to be able to handle the tempo that they threw at us, the substitutions, Penn State does so many crazy formations, four receivers out this way, four receivers to the boundary. They do all sorts of things to try and get you out of position. And for the most part, I thought we did a very good job. Um, if they wanted to move any faster, it would have messed them up. And it was starting to mess them up a little bit. So they had to back off of it. So um, can't say enough good things about McDonald and the direction this defense is going, considering that it's his first year. Uh, it's a, uh, When he gets to build it himself, might be scary. Yeah, I want to move to the part of the broadcast now where we go to some questions, comments uh, from people. So feel free to send those in. I want to start with this one from Brian Kreps, who says, in August, if you would have told me we were going to beat Washington, Wisconsin, and Penn State, I would have been ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, today makes Michigan 9-1. and one. I think uh, my, myself personally, I think I came into the year looking at them as an 8-4 and four team. Um, obviously, what happened a couple weeks ago at Michigan State sucks, but we've moved past that now. Uh, you're on to the next. Whatever happens next is what's most important. Uh, they're 9-1, and one, and... You know, we don't want to overlook Maryland or anything like that, but it's very likely that they will be 10 and one going into the game that defines them every year. And if you told anyone that coming into the year, that would have been, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would have been extremely happy with that. Now we didn't need to tell them who the one loss was to, but you know, regardless, 10 and one, having a chance to be 10 and one going into Ohio state is, um, you know, no matter which way you slice it, regardless of may, what may have happened, you know, a couple weeks ago, that is tremendous progress from them. I mean, that, that's the expectation. This is how it should be. But from what the starting point was, uh, you know, when the calendar flipped to 2021, you just have to take your hats off to everyone in the building. They did not flinch on Saturday, and they haven't really all year. Um, you know, if you want to make the argument they folded against Michigan State, fine. But still guys are playing hard and making plays. It was a hard, hard-fought hard game. So um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just how this group has – responded to adversity it's a different team you know there's there's a difference between starting the season four and oh five and oh and 
winning 10 games in that same season. I feel like we've seen a lot of the trend of we win early in September, October, and then go 500 on the back end. And yes, we've dropped one, but that's just one. And it was against a good team and I hate who they were, but um, we were in control of the game for the most part uh, and, and lost it and gave it up. So we're in a great position. I mean, this is potentially boiling down to almost what it would have been the 2005 Ohio state, Michigan game, the one versus two game. We're not going to be a level at that level of, of intensity, but, but we're going to be right there with the college football playoff and everything else that's now present that wasn't around during that time. So um, everything's on the table for you and you have two weeks left for that to be the case that we're in. That's I think exceeds everybody's expectations, including my own. I think I was thinking we'd go nine and three, eight and four. So um, there's still two games left. We still need to get a little bit better. Some things I'm sure we'll hit tomorrow to improve on, uh, but we should be able to compete with Ohio state at the end of the year. And, and that's something that I don't think anybody thought uh, August when we were talking about this team. Yeah. I want to bring this one up too. Uh, this one is from Sharon Haskins. She says, number 25 Haskins is my grandson and he's tough like his granny. So uh, Sharon, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, what an exciting day that must be for you. An exciting year to see, uh, to see him play as well as he has. Um, so awesome that you're here watching with us, but shout out to you. Yeah. Thanks for, <laughs> Thanks for hopping. I have to tell you, my grandma was one of my biggest supporters in, in football. We couldn't put her next to the camcorder in high school because she would say expletives. So we had to move her away from the camera. <laughs> but grandmas and being in your corner, I know that uh, Hassan is very thankful to have you there because my grandma and grandpa support me. Some of my fondest memories. So I'm glad you're glad you're following along. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, this is from David who says, what a soothing solve for the wound that was MSU. Great game. Go blue. Um, L.A. Caldwell says, guys, the defense has done a better job with substitution, but this should have been fixed before the Sparty game. Don't you agree? Why did it take so long to fix? I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that it did happen during the Michigan State game, and they took steps to fix it. Uh, Mike Barrett has played a lot more the last couple of weeks as a kind of one of those hybrid type of defenders. So a guy can play in the nickel, play a little bit in, in the box, and do some different things. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's still a concern. Um but I just – I think the reason they have to substitute so much is that I don't – when you look at what Mike uh, Mike McDonald wants to do defensively, I just don't think there is um, as – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, as versatile uh, in the skill sets of their players to where they can just leave guys out there. So I think that's part of it too. But, I mean, yeah, they got they got beat up by it a, little, a few times on, on Saturday, but – uh, I, I think I do think in terms of that being a major issue that they're past that. This was, I think, for what my money's worth, I think this is their best defensive performance of the year. I would agree. Um, I would definitely agree with that. And I also think yes to the question that we should have been prepared for some tempo and what we would do in that situation and what our substitution plan would be. Um, and the other thing that I would say is we probably could have expected it to be figured out faster. It shouldn't have continued to hurt us. I was worried in this game, you know, initially we got going and had some false start penalties that, you know, we've had that where we go away and I've seen other teams do that where they go away and struggle with the cadence. And it's one of those things you call a timeout, but yeah, you burn one, maybe you, you know, need it later, but you burn a timeout explain what's going on to your guys and get a game plan together of how you're going to con continue. So it doesn't burn you or continue to burn you. So um, we have made an adjustment. I don't think it's something that anyone's going to catch us with our pants around our ankles again, but uh, that was a good, also, you know, good coaching by Michigan state. They had a bye week They saw some things and they took advantage. 
Yeah, and like I said before, I mean, it just might if you get beat, it just might be because they have a better matchup. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. So, uh, from Lazy Donk, he says, "I'm glad the boys pulled it out, but I'm still kind of concerned about the fourth down defense when it counts." Uh, do you have any thoughts on that one, Ryan? No, I can understand. Um, you know, there's definitely been some concerns and they've kind of been lingering not just this year but other years that when it's third and short fourth and short it's tough to get a stop but you also kind of kind of grade that on a scale comparatively to everybody else i mean it's a tough stop and a tough ask for your defense to stop stand up on fourth and one fourth and short and you absolutely would love to have the expectation of our defense is solid they'll never give it up but statistically talking they're probably going to convert you know four out of every five if you're just to do a law of averages so um you know, I would love for us to be able to stand up and make some of those plays. But again, that role goes back to the substitution thing. A lot of teams have gotten smart. And now you know you're getting a third and one, fourth and one. You know, you'd love as a defense to run your 300 pounders out there and plug up the A gaps, but you don't have time to run them up there because they're just going under center, quick snap and gone. So, um, yes, I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's a sign that our defense is uh, failing in any area or arena. But um, definitely something that you'd like to see us come up with a couple more of those stops because we haven't had many. Yeah, I'm here with you there. Uh, this one's from Alan, and this is actually one I wanted to bring up too. Uh, he says, it's a, it appears Cade doesn't have the authority to change plays once it's called from the sideline. Any truth to that? For example, the failed fourth and two play. Uh, I'm glad that this question came up because uh, Jake Butt actually had some good analysis on this. He jumped into my mentions on Twitter and said, what happens a lot of times when you're in a situation like that, and Ryan, you can uh, correct or back up or however you want to approach it here. Um, you go the line in a short yardage situation on fourth down with a couple kind of a couple plays in mind of what you could do. Um, and he said, it, it looks like, like they, in terms of the look you get, um, you know, they seemed like they didn't get what they wanted there, but thought they could still run something anyways. Um, I don't know, what did you see on that play? No, they were overloaded. So if you look at that pre-snap read and if there's a run right called, you've got to check out because they had, I think, seven or eight hats to the right of the center. And we they we only had seven on our side, even though it was the strength of our formation. We were running into a place where they were plus one in the box. Uh, so even though that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, that we just got to set ourselves up for some success on these short yardage situations because – you can run into that as many times as you want. And you're not getting any yardage. Uh, they were actually maybe even misaligned to that side as a defense. And that's one of those things that you'd like for Mac, uh, McNamara to come up, go under center, and all of a sudden do his count, realize, and I don't care if he throws his finger up like behind him and points his backs, go the other way. They can block right, but just go left. You got the hats on that side. That would be huge. Um, but uh, – I don't think that we have the ability to check there. I don't know that um, we're at that level with McNamara of comfort of if you see something, change it. And that's the other thing that I think is a knock on Harbaugh that it's a fair knock is that uh, we will run into the brick wall because if we feel eventually we will go through the brick wall. But there are routes and alternatives to get over around to the side of the brick wall. And uh, it's just not in his not in his not in his personality. We're going to be hard nosed. We're going to let you know where we're going with it and see what happens. But it's not always the best approach. Sometimes guys you need to, uh, and that might that might work against the Indianas and uh, you know the yeah. Rutgers of the world. But um, Penn State's good. Their defense was great. Yeah, really that, that kind of goes into the next question uh, that we're going to take. We're going to take a couple more here, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, this is from Richie, who says, "Why do we seem to let these teams hang around in these games so often?" This is, I mean, this to me, it, like the Michigan State game was an example of 
the inability to t- truly put someone away. I just felt like this was a 60-minute, as Jim Harbaugh likes to call it, football fight. Penn State's a good football team. And, you know, you would have liked to – like, yes, is it ideal to not be stressed out with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Absolutely it is. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a 60-minute game, and there are guys on both sides that in a game like this step up and make plays. So I don't think this one this one was really a um, – a case study in letting a team hang around. I just felt like it was a, a 60 minute dog fight. I would agree with you. And it's one of those things too, when your defense is playing so well, it's hard to justify taking more risk than you need to. Um, you know, there's so many times where I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat on a first and 10 or second and 10, because you look at Cornelius Johnson or Andrell Anthony, and they have one corner that is two yards off of them and not a safety within 35 yards anywhere else. And you're just thinking, Let's play some backyard football. Let this kid, you know, dice this corner up and throw him the ball. And we run it with Haskins up the middle for a gain of three, you know, and there's some frustration there. But at the same time, you've got to understand that our defense plays so well and and has been playing so well, even in this game that, you know, Penn State, the likelihood of them going 70 yards for a touchdown, not that great. But if you end up giving them an interception, giving them a momentum play by your play call or what you try and do, then all of a sudden, you know, you're responsible for their new momentum that they got. So um, I can understand the frustration. I feel similar frustration, but at the same time, strategically, I don't know if it's wrong. And it's hard to say it's wrong when you come away with a win. Yeah. We'll take a couple quick hitters here. Uh, this one's from uh, Kate A. Mura, who asks, is Quorum out for the season? Uh, ESPN mentioned that Michigan said that he's going to miss today's game and next week's game at least, and we'll see from there. Uh, my, I don't think it's a season-ending injury. It's an ankle sprain. I think what it really comes down to is when he feels comfortable cutting on it and things like that. Thankfully, they were able to get through it without him today. Uh, I would think next week they would be able to get through a game with Maryland without him, but we'll see for Ohio State. That's where all effort kind of has to be diverted there. Um, this will be the last one we take. Uh, and we can't talk too much about it because we've got a week of shows to do next week. But Riley asked, do you think we dominate at Maryland? It's a trap game, so I'm kind of scared. But is but is Maryland, so – but anyways, go blue. Um, it's too early for that. I think that if Michigan plays the way that it did on the back end today, really just defensively the way that they, they played, uh, they should dominate Maryland. Um, you know, Maryland, like, like a Michigan State, like a Penn State, has the ability – to be explosive through the air um, with Tua's brother. I'm not going to try pronouncing his first or last name here. I'll need a week to get that up to speed. But, um, you know, Rakeem Jarrett's a good player too. But, yeah, um, they're all they're all trap games. Anytime you get caught looking ahead, anyone looks ahead, that could be a trap game. But the way this team is focused all year, I don't, I don't foresee next week being a huge concern for them. But we'll see what the health looks like coming out of this week's game. I'd agree with you. And I think it's Tagovailoa, but maybe not. I think it's Tagovailoa. But uh, I would say we don't need to be as concerned going into Maryland because of the Ojabo Hutchinson show that we get to bring with us. You know, I don't know that he's going to be able to do what he does in the air when he's scared for his life, which I think he might be. So I also am going out on a limb here, but I think that our team right now seems to have the leadership in their heads on straight and knows that 
God, would you hate to make the Ohio State game not mean what it's supposed to mean, you know, considering that you won at Penn State. So go out there and take care of business. Handle this one so we can go to the big one. Uh, so I'm not super concerned about the trappability of the game. Uh, we obviously need to go play some good football. But overall, we should overmatch Maryland. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, Ryan, I think that's going to do it for us doing instant reactions here. Uh, Ryan Van Bergen and I will be back tomorrow in a recorded. You won't see us live, but we're, we'll do our, our Penn State wrap-up show on Sunday morning. Have that out to you. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, Michigan wins 21-17, moved to 9-1 on the season. Uh, sets up hey, sets up a pretty good Saturday for everyone else. You have the rest of the day. It was a noon game. Michigan basketball plays at 8 o'clock, so... Everyone can kind of chill now, relax, and enjoy the rest of their Saturday. So, uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, anyone, I'll drop this in the description below. We are on the On3 Sports Network now. You can join our site for one year for a dollar. It's such a good deal. I won't even go into the math of it because you guys know basic math. Such a good deal. Insider content, um, you know, analysis, columns, all that stuff is going to be there for you. So be sure to check that out below. Leave us a good review uh, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's it for the pitches here. You, you know where to find us. We've been around. So uh, for Ryan Van Bergen, I'm Anthony Broom. We'll talk to you again soon.